I think we haven't seen an out in the open full model that just attacks when it's been created to do that. Mm. Large language models at the moment have been designed to talk to you. That's all it does. Mm. It just talks to you and gives you the information you ask for and, and holds conversation. Um, when you apply that technology to purely attack, regardless, um, then that's quite terrifying. And, yeah, I think we're all watching for that. Welcome back to AI Global Watch. I'm Natalie Taylor, Head of Client Services at Access Partnership and host of today's episode. In today's digital era, the landscape of cybersecurity is evolving more rapidly than ever before, with AI playing a pivotal role, both as a tool for defenders and a weapon for attackers. A recent report by Cybersecurity Ventures predicted that cybercrime could cost the world $10.5 trillion by next year, a figure that's expected to grow with the increasing sophistication of AI-enhanced cybersecurity threats. Against this backdrop, it's essential to understand not just the challenges we face, but also the innovative strategies being developed to combat them. We're excited to have James Brukel, founder of Woolof, a leader in digital security and privacy, joining us to discuss AI's impact on cybersecurity, the current threats and the innovative strategies to safeguard against AI-driven cybersecurity challenges. So, without further ado, let's welcome James. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'd like to start um, by asking you if you wouldn't mind sharing a pivotal moment in your career that really highlighted the impact of AI on cybersecurity, either as a challenge or a solution. Yeah, so I suppose uh, I've got two. Um, I was working for an organisation and it was at the point uh, probably six, seven years ago when we started to concentrate on not just having good cyber products, but having a good ecosystem of, of products. And we're all realizing that they all need to work together. Uh, and actually, you can have best in class single product, but if it doesn't work with all the rest of the products in communication, um, then it's got limited benefit. Um, and, and that's when we started to introduce machine learning. Uh, and it was kind of going down the AI route, um, not not as we know it now, but it was referred to as AI at the time. Um, and the capability that that brought, when you brought systems that could independently do things for you and could communicate with other systems, at that point we were transitioning past tuning systems to be good at what we need them to do to mm -hmm. defend us from the cyber threat. But we became kind of the the caretakers we were tuning the system so it could protect us rather than us making the system protect us um so there's a bit of a transition between that so i at that point i realized there's definitely something in that yeah. uh, and the recent announcements of of looking at how uh microsoft products can reverse engineer something reverse engineering software is really really hard um but it can just do it in minutes and you need to you don't really need to have a lot of skill in that if they get that to the point where it works perfectly every time that's incredible and going to revolutionize how we do incident investigation yeah absolutely so looking back on your time from hacking computers as a kid to becoming a professional chief information security officer and your onward journey to founding Woolof, how have you seen the role of ai evolve in the field of cyber specifically yeah so uh, I think it's it's gone in cycles. So we've always talked about AI, and I can't remember a time 
in my life dealing with computers where we haven't driven for that not just for cyber side but there's a natural human interest in in can i make this computer behave like a human i remember being a kid writing basic code that mm. you know when i type in hello into the old green screen command prompts it would say hello back because i had told it to do that and then memorizing a load of words that i can say and i knew what it would say in response and then you bring in your friends or your parents and say look my computer's alive that progressed on through time we've seen the Microsoft Clippy, if you remember that, yep. you know, that was a, a an interesting attempt that we're all remembering, but many jokes. Um, it goes on to when Siri was released at that point, you know, uh, there was jokes on TV shows about I've fallen in love with my iPhone and, and all that kind of stuff. It was revolutionary. Uh, and, and recently, large language models is the next step. Uh, you know, I've got kind of interesting views on whether we're actually at AI. I think AI is, is kind of like cloud. It's, it both exists and doesn't exist at the moment. Um, so in terms of, is this as close as we've ever got to something that replicates AI or, or, or represents AI? Yes. Do we experience AI as humans? Yes. But if you actually look at it in, in forensic terms, is it AI or is it just a logical outcome of a series of programs and mathematics and, and interactions with databases mm. so yeah you know it depends on how nerdy and how forensically you look at it it affects your thought on on how you see it but yeah so uh, i think it's it's always gone round in cycles llms definitely are a cut above anything else we've done before i think it will go further i'm really excited to see where we're going to be in five years um because beyond talking to Siri, this is the biggest jump forward we've had. Yeah, definitely. And I think we all kind of expected it to come in slowly and, and for us to see it arrive, but actually it's arrived rapidly um, and it's being built into everything. So, mm. yeah, that's super interesting. Thank you. Um, so could you discuss a recent AI-enhanced cybersecurity breach that stands out for you and what it re what it reveals about the current threat landscapes this question i find interesting because it almost uh, i kind of i'm almost forced to ask a question back rather yeah. than answer the question and that is how would i know how would i know that the attack was performed by an ai and not a person there will be cases that we will eventually be able to trace th this back and i'm sure there are cases already out there but what really interests is what interests me at the moment is how many successful cyber attacks that have already occurred were due to AI, but we've got no we idea. Didn't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. And we're looking at it in the education sector uh, where we're trying to create tools that detect whether a student wrote that essay or whether it was written by AI mm -hmm. for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. uh, for education reasons. But actually, are we doing the same in the cyber industry? Are we writing detection to see whether you're being attacked by an AI? And if you are being attacked by an AI, can we categorize which AI, uh, which brand, which particular threat actor group is attacking you? Uh, I don't think we're there yet. So, yeah, my question is, uh, in most cases, we wouldn't know. Really? So there wouldn't be sort of breadcrumbs or clues 
that you, that ha- you know that hackers leave behind that that might give you an idea that this is an AI rather than a than a human behind the hack, for example. Uh, oh yeah, and there definitely there definitely will be, and I think a lot of what um, you know CISOs and security teams are thinking about is at the moment we're probably seeing low level interactions, so you can tap into Chat GPT's uh, uh, API and, and you can get it to write emails for you now. Chat GPT doesn't really know whether that's going to be for good reasons or bad reasons. If you just ask it to write you an email, it'll do it. Um, And if you ask it to write in a friendly way that's interactive and encourages conversation, it's going to do that, Um, which is great because there's loads of, there's a million good reasons why you would do that. I can also think of a few bad reasons why you would do that because you want people to click on phishing links uh, and it takes spear phishing to the next level because you can be interacting with someone over several emails you think you've got a good relationship and then you send the malware um and an ai can fill in all that effort for you at the the attackers yeah, absolutely. kind of it, it doesn't cost them in, and anything help, you, in help you target it and really tailor it at that individual yeah what we're more concerned about and what we're thinking about in future is where we create a malware focused ai in itself that is adaptive so you can just point it at a target just give it email addresses, IP addresses, mm-hmm. uh, and say, go and attack it. And it will use all of the knowledge that's collected on the internet about how to hack something and then adapt what it's doing in order to attack the target. And I haven't seen anything like that. I'm sure it's out there in the world. Yeah. Someone will be on it. Um, yeah, so th- I think that's what we're all kind of poised waiting to see. In your view, what are the most effective strategies for combating AI-enhanced cybersecurity threats available today that you know of? Yeah, okay. So I, I think I, I look at this from an end user perspective and there's a dis- different perspective. So if you're working in, in the supplier area, so if you work for Microsoft or Google mm-hmm. or, or whoever, um, you're thinking about your AI you're putting into the product. But my perspective is from being working for Organization X, uh, how do I best protect that organization um and i think it is it's down to good product selection uh, and not buying the latest shiny thing so one definitely do the basics well you know all, all of the basic stuff it's very boring to say but actually the basics work if you're patched up to date you've got your antivirus so all of the standard things that you should have that's going to protect you from the 80 90 yeah. um but thereafter, I think it's about being really careful in your technology stack or your cybersecurity stack of products and making sure they all work with each other, they're complementary, that you don't have a blind spot um, and having a really good relationship with industry um, because quite often you can get bombarded with sales stuff which can really turn you off to market engagement. But actually, the, the suppliers, the, the industry engagement for an end-user organization, suppliers aren't your enemy. In fact, they're the only people that are going to save you from this. They're the only people with the access to the level of expertise that you're going to need. And they're building this into their products. Yeah. And anyone that's trying to avoid uh, engagement with AI at all, um, you're going to get left behind. And, mm. and it's a bit of an arms race. And, and unless you have industry behind you, you're going to struggle. From your perspective as someone who works at the intersection of technology, policy and cybersecurity, how critical do you think policy is in shaping our response to AI-related threats? 
Yeah. So um, <clears throat> is it important you have good AI policy? 100%. And actually, you can't not have good policy and, and not expect bad things to happen. Um, I think it's a chicken and egg scenario. The AI arms race is happening mm. and it is happening. You can't have a policy if we're not going to engage in AI, therefore we're fine because it's built into everything we do. Uh, it's built into search engines. It's built into the apps. Uh, it's built into products you've already got. If you look at your products that you're currently using within your organization, I don't know an organization that isn't talking about introducing AI in some way. Yep. So all of our technology is going to have AI in it. So if that's the case, if every company we're talking to, every company we use their products for is introducing AI, well, that tells you how important it is to have a policy on AI because everything, the foundation you're going to be sat on is going to have AI built into it. Yeah, I completely agree. Could you share an example of an innovative approach or technology that you or a peer has developed to counter AI-driven security threats? Is there anything you've you've come across? I think probably the most impressive, I mentioned it earlier, but I think the most impressive thing I've seen so far, in, particularly within the cybersecurity sphere, is reverse engineering some yeah. software. Some compiled software, you've got no idea what it does. You would normally have to pass that to someone who's highly skilled, mm -hmm. uh, you know, got a digital forensics background, and has beyond, I've got a digital forensics master's, but I still couldn't sit down and, and reverse engineer something. That's a really specialist role. Finding those people is very hard. But actually, if you've got a product that anyone has access to, and, and that's kind of on Microsoft's roadmap, at least I'm it's on a few, where you can just drop the file in and it just gives you a report yeah. within seconds, if not minutes, exactly what that file does and what it tried to do and how it tried to do it. That's such a game changer for security operation centers at the minimum. So why is international collaboration crucial in combating AI-powered cybersecurity threats? And what role, therefore, do you think global policy alignment plays in this, this new landscape that we have emerging? Yeah, this is a big question. Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> question, but I think it's really pertinent for where we are today with all the various AI summits that have been happening over the past few months. You know? Yeah, what would you do if it was your train set on a global scale? So I think we need to look to, to other game-changing technologies because I don't think anyone would argue at the moment the state of modern AI is game-changing and we can see it's going to kind of terraform the digital landscape. The one thing that I would compare it to is in, is encryption. Encryption has been there forever. That's mm. the only thing that's kind of different. We've always had encryption. We had encryption before computers, but it is a game-changing technology. Um, and actually, if you look into... The, there's something called the Wassinger Agreement. Um, and the Wassinger Agreement is where a group of countries have come together and they kind of declared in that what constitutes a weapon of mass destruction. And encryption is on that list. Encryption is actually classed as a weapon of mass destruction, and that's why you're not allowed to use cert above certain commercial grades of encryption in designated countries for that reason, because it's it's got an implication on yeah. the power of the state. Um, and I think 
probably at some point we need to give some consideration if it was my train set um then uh i think we need to give some consideration of what is the eventual power of ai not the power today but where is this going because encryption was definitely uh, a huge contributing factor in defense uh, and we're not just talking about the enigma regime we're talking way back roman times and before um Encryption's always been that, and I think AI is now in that space, uh, and we don't have agreement. We've seen where countries have tried to block the progression of AI, and yeah. all that happened was they blocked it, no one else did. Um, so it has to be international collaboration to get to a point, and if we don't, then it will just free run. It's so difficult, though, isn't it? Because policy is usually behind the technology, right? Yeah. The technology happens, and then the policy comes later, yeah. you know or well, the regulation comes later and with ai moving so quickly like how do we how do we how do we regulate for that and create policy for that you know ahead of the ai game it just feels like you know there's that we're going to really struggle to to keep up yeah especially I, if we're trying to do it at an international level because that's even slower when you're trying to get countries to agree yeah and i i, I can answer that i what I'd like is that we start to put effort into places where this is going to be really good. So healthcare, space exploration, all yeah. this exciting stuff that, you know, makes, you know, when you see that kind of collaboration on an international scale is really exciting. Um, I think the trouble is, is when it goes, it stems into real world politics and, and everyone wants the, everyone wants the competitive advantage Everyone can say they're not going to do it, but what they actually do is is always different. Um, so there's a degree of, of trust. So, yeah, it's kind of over to those world leaders. But unless they take an interest and, and a, a, a real first-hand influence in this, then, mm. then it will free run. Um, I don't know what's better or worse, to be honest. Are there any particular AI technologies or trends that you think are going to have the most significant impact on the future of cyber? Well, I think we've seen the power of la large language models it's not there yet like mm. you can mostly tell the raw output from from a chat gpt conversation once you get used to its format and nuances you, you can tell a little bit i don't think you're going to be able to tell soon yeah you know and there's probably models out there that i haven't tried that i wouldn't be able to tell um so when we've got computers that we can be in conversation with, and I wouldn't know it's a computer, we're right on the verge, if not there now. So that's definitely um, game, change, game changing. And I think we haven't seen an out in the open full model that just attacks when it's been created to do that. Mm. Large language models at the moment have been designed to talk to you. That's all it does. Mm -hmm. It just talks to you and gives you the information you ask for and, and holds conversation. Um, when you apply that technology to purely attack, regardless, um, then that's quite terrifying. And, yeah, I think we're all watching for that one. So, finally, uh, I wanted to ask you about what personal advice you'd give to professionals who are navigating this, this landscape right now, particularly in, you know, in cyber uh, you know, who are looking at the AI landscape as it's evolving, what, what would your advice be to them? The first piece of advice would be don't ban it. You, banning it, avoiding it, putting your head in the sand isn't going to work. 
in my view, personal view. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be effective. I think you need to engage with it and, and get on the front foot. I think any cybersecurity professional has to go through continuous learning. If you're not, I mean, even if you're a year out of date, that's kind of light years out of date in in the cybersphere. So you, you definitely need to invest in the learning in the AI space. Um, and the other part is about data because AI is the tool, but actually what determines whether something is good or bad is is the the, <coughs> the data that, that sits underneath it yeah the data yeah. processing the data maturity behind it so yeah you can't just learn about ai well you can but you know you, there's very much the front end programming part of it but the back end of it that's really really important is data and making data part of your art form is is critical as well as learning how to use the latest AI tools and algorithms. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's no been a really interesting conversation. I really Thanks appreciate you um, talking to us today. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your community and subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also find us on LinkedIn and X.